There are so many people in Hemel Hempstead that have got their Christmas lights outside their buildings probably two weeks ago. Think how crazy. But each to their own. Did you run around the shops on Friday or on the internet tapping buttons because it was Black Friday? And there's such bargains to be had. Well, I did, you see. I had to order one thing. Decided this year that Jack, because he's had a horrible year, would get a new Xbox. He's always had a second-hand one, you see. So I ordered one, but I ordered the wrong one. (laughs) So then I had to go and buy another one yesterday. But I don't know if any of you shop in Sainsbury's and have a Nectar Point card. I went with my Nectar Point card and bought my food shopping. And the lady said, you can use that over in Argos to pay for your Argos shopping. Well, I hadn't realised that. Well, I ended up getting this Xbox for £44.99 instead of £180, you see in the right place, at the right time, being served by the right person. I came home very happy. So I have to return the other one tomorrow. But you see, people do go on the internet and buy all sorts of things. Some people buy stuff they will never use because it's cheap. Now, we've just moved house. We had a lot of things in our previous house and we got rid of a lot of things before we moved but when we were unpacking to put things away we had nowhere for them to go now we're living in a bigger house than we were before but it has less storage so we had to get rid of more stuff you see and through life we tend to hold on to things that we don't use because it might come in handy one day But I think if you haven't used something for 22 years after being married, you're probably not going to use it ever, are you? All it does is goes up in the loft and then you have to get up there and get it down again. And it's just pointless, isn't it? Some people put their hope in things and not in people. And this psalm... You might feel, when we read it earlier, what does this say about Christmas? I'm a big fan in the Old Testament pointing us to the New Testament. I guess it's something to do with being trained in theology for four years. It kind of gives you a hunger for these things and it opens your eyes to things in the Old Testament that you didn't see before that point you to the New Testament. The church of today spends most of its life in the New Testament and around the life of Jesus, and that's all well and good. But if you study anything to do with history, you have to look back to where it comes from. And this psalm is a messianic psalm. And what that means is 
that back in the books at the beginning of the Bible, one kings, two kings, and through all those that you have to study really hard when you're at Bible college because you're going to have an Old Testament exam. And you're going to get asked an obscure question about a king. So you have to know all about the kings, you see. And Israel wanted a king. So God said, you can have a king. And they went through numbers and numbers of kings. Some were good, some were bad. Some were after the heart of God, some were totally against the heart of God. But you see, this psalm tells us, why do nations conspire and peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather against the Lord and against the anointed one. Here is the pointing to the Messiah because Jesus is the anointed one, the one that would come. But those that read this and heard this at the time wouldn't have known that Jesus was coming hundreds of years later. But you see, because we are after the time that Jesus came, we're post that time. We can look back and see this and think, well, we know the end of the story. We know how it plays out. But sometimes you read these words and you don't understand fully the significance of them. Let's break the chains, they say, and throw off the fetters. The chains of bondage, the fetters of captivity. Let's throw them off. And that would only come through Jesus because he was the only one that was going to bring complete release from the things that entangled. And verse 4, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The one scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them with his anger and terrifies them with his wrath, saying, I've installed a king on Zion, my holy hill. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. That verse is repeated in Hebrews. And we can see that in the New Testament. And it talks about the relationship that God the creator has with his son the incarnate Jesus that came as a baby in Bethlehem. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance. Do you remember when Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness? And the devil said to him, look at all that's in front of you. And he tried to tempt him away from all he had inherited. But Jesus, being God's son, knew full well what he believed and what he knew to be true, that he wasn't tempted by the devil. And I think that's important for us today to know the things in which we believe. 
Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. If you've tasted something good, then you want more of it, don't you? I love custard with a hot pudding. Not good for you, but I'm a pudding and custard type of guy, or trifle. And if you taste something good, you want more. If it doesn't taste good, like celery, my dad always used to eat celery when I was a kid. And I used to think, how horrible is that, right? But now I eat celery because your taste buds change as you get older and you like the things that you thought were disgusting before. Our tastes change. But you see, Jesus is the same today as he was yesterday and will be tomorrow. And it says in scripture, taste and see that the Lord is good and his love endures forever. I attended my father's funeral on Wednesday and I looked at the coffin there and I was sad because I knew my father had no hope. He had no hope. He didn't confess the name of Jesus. So I knew full well that I would never ever see him again. And that is sad. When you attend a believer's funeral, it's sad, but it's not sad in the same way. But when you know there is no hope for that person because they had no faith, it makes it harder because you know that that life is totally lost and there's no, no going back. You can't make amends for the things that went on. You can't say sorry to one another because time has gone. You don't have that time again. And hope is a good thing if you have something to hope in. My father's hope was that he would have got better, but that was never going to be. It was a pointless hope because his fate was where he ended up. But he would never bow the knee and confess Jesus as Lord. But a strange thing he used to do, he used to watch a load of trash television, but he used to fall upon things like um, uh, famous singers singing spiritual songs. And one was, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's blind and he's a classical singer and he sang a song on the Lord's Prayer. And my dad, whenever I went to visit, would play that over and over to me as if this is important, this is beautiful, but he would never think that that was speaking to his heart. And I think we need to do all we can to point people to Jesus. Now my hope is that my mum would regain the faith that she once had as a child through attending a Catholic church. So I'm hoping that one day I will see her again. But you know it is sad when you know that 
there is no hope. But you see, we have hope because of what Jesus did. And the psalmist goes on and he says, you will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them into pieces like pottery. Therefore, your king, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. What a strange concept, isn't it? Serve the Lord with fear. What that says is, that we should remember who God is and remember that he is all powerful he is the one that can change things in the click of a, a finger not that I can click my fingers I've never been able to um, you know things can change so we should remember that he is all powerful but he is all loving and we should not come with a fear like a, a child hold uh, a father holding a belt over a child but a fear of reverence as it says in the Lord's Prayer we come before the Father to ask him for our daily bread ask him to forgive our trespasses because he is all-encompassing It goes on to say, now this points to Judas of Iscariot here. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you be destroyed in your way. The kiss of Judas was the one that pointed the men to the anointed one, to the Messiah. This is the one you're to crucify by a kiss. all done for 30 silver coins. But the kiss was the one that gave away who the Son of God was. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. Blessed, happy. How happy are you today? One thing that was said about my father at his funeral that he was a miserable so-and-so. Yeah? Now, that was just how he was. That was his character. But we have a reason to be not miserable because we have hope that is sure and steadfast and certain. And we should live like we know the truth we should occasionally have a smile on our faces. It's quite interesting. If you were to have a webcam up here looking that way and you could see yourselves in there, it's just quite interesting. You see the ones that drop off to sleep And then they say afterwards, oh, what a wonderful service. <laughs> and you think, well, I don't know how you heard any of that because you were sound asleep. Or ones that might be looking at their watch and thinking, oh, is it time for lunch yet? <laughs> when is he ever going to shut up? You can see those ticker tapes. No, not
not really. But, you know, our reactions on our faces speak volumes. And, do you know, God gave the people what they wanted in a king. And it was the ultimate gift of Jesus that was going to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The one that was going to come and save his people and change the world forever. The one that was going to come as a babe in a pit in a church where they reckoned he was born. The one that was going to come and change the world forever. But you know, there are many that don't see Jesus for who he is and who he was. But this time of year is all about giving people new hope. And if we can do that through the messages that we give out from this place and other churches, that there is a hope and there is a point to life, then the true meaning of Christmas has been unwrapped and revealed. So let us pray. Father, thank you for your word, that it is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Lord, it speaks into our hearts. It reminds us of things in the past. It reminds us of things in the present. And it reminds us of hope for the future. We pray as we enter this season of Christmas that our hope would be sure and steadfast because it's built on nothing less than Jesus. We pray that our feet won't slip and we won't slumber or fall in all the preparations. We pray that our eyes would be fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith and that we would keep you close by in the busyness of this time of year. Let us not lose sight of the baby that came to bring hope and peace and joy to the world at this time of year. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm very pleased that this cross...